One of the questions that all of us ask, and those of us who have left Ireland and live abroad, and many people who live in Ireland uh, went abroad, come back, everybody often asks, who am I, where am I from, what's my background? And at this point in time, I'm actually getting my own DNA done to try and uh, trace back where my family may have originated and some other things. Well, some months back, I attended the Global Irish Civic Forum, and I had the pleasure of meeting Raymond Kyo at that. Raymond has devoted quite a lot of time and energy uh, where he has set up a website, and it is our own identity. And uh, Raymond and I had a bit of a chat, and it was fascinating, and I said that I'd love to learn more, find out more, uh, because it's such a big question. Good morning, Raymond, and welcome. Good morning, Austin. Thank you very much for having me. And it is, it's a huge question. It is. Well, what, what got you uh, pulled, put it that way? Well, I go back a, a long way, as you say, in this. And um, I actually started in the 60s. And we used to visit my grandfather's house in the south of Dublin, in Renala. And uh, I don't know how to describe it, but there was a, uh, what I would uh, say was a, an ancestral presence in the house there with, of my grandfather. And I can't to this day describe exactly what it, what it is or was. But it certainly gave me the impetus to start into this long, long journey, which I've been doing for over half a century now. And um, I suppose the first thing uh, that comes to mind in that long journey was the, uh, the meeting of a family, a half-family, to my father that I didn't even realize existed initially. And uh, one of those uh, members was called Gerald Kyo. And on the site that you mention, Our Own Identity, um, the, uh, there is a series on the, the topic called the Gerald Kyo Identity Series. And this is based on one of the children of my a uh, great-grandfather who was involved in the 1916 Rising. His name was Gerald Kyo. <clears throat> and uh, I kind of took it from there, and it sort of uh, exploded out, out and became kind of an exponential level of questions that I had to answer as I went through time. And eventually I came to the, the real nub of the of the issue, which was, well, what exactly is identity? And I'm not going to ask you to answer that question because uh, I know, first of all, it would be difficult to answer. But did you see this, Raymond, as a personal quest for identity or a larger thing as regards uh, how identity is actually defined? No, Austin, I started off um, with that sort of uh, feeling of, well... The, the ancestral presence, if you like, what was it? Who, who were my ancestors exactly? And um, I, I have written the book um, Shelter and Shadows, which if you see in the first chapter, it talks about myself and my brother being in the house of my grandfather on Christmas morning, uh, sharing uh, tea and cakes and whatever. And uh, 
I, I remember the occasion when my aunt uh, would bring down the en- encyclopedia and then she'd also bring out uh, one of these family albums. And it was the family album that was particularly interesting to me because it started opening up, uh, it started connecting the reality uh, to the, the, the kind of the feeling that I had about the, the, this ancestral presence. In other words, it was being made concrete somehow. And uh, my, I discovered my great-grandfather, um, he, he was married twice. His first wife, my great-grandmother, died of chronic pneumonia in the 1870s. And um, uh, he married for a second time. And out of the second marriage, it was they had a large family. And uh, one of them was this man, Gerald Keogh. Now, it struck me that this family, that um, if I tried to put it into the kind of social context in Ireland, I found it very, very difficult because it didn't seem to fit. And the reason it didn't fit, I think, was that um, we were merchants and traders uh, going back a long way. The the, the first um, person that I can identify in Dublin came into Dublin in around the end of the 18th century. But I was able to determine that they were representatives of Gaelic tradition uh, the kind of professional ranks of, of Gaelic tradition. And of course, the name Q is uh, from a kind of a bardic or legal family. And this, uh, through circumstantial evidence, is proven to be correct. Not only that, I was able to do a DNA analysis and actually substantiate the links between the family name and Wexford. So there's a definite strong correlation going right back in in genetic time, if you like. Uh, But coming to the more recent past, when I looked at Gerald and his brothers, I found that they were an aberration, if you like, in in Irish society, uh, because not much attention was paid to them. Yet, they were a definite uh, social group. Um, my ancestors always were involved with um, uh, trades and um, they were merchants and traders of Dublin. And the, and the merchants and traders have a very long history. But very few people knew about the uh, Gaelic or native segment of the of the merchants and traders of Dublin and this made me look in greater depth and actually I carried out some research and developed a research paper on the whole theme and found out that uh, they must have come into Dublin uh, the merchants and traders in general around the 660s after the Cromwellian period and um, this wasn't uh, known until very very recently but it also struck me that uh, the kind of outlook amongst the, 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 the family was quite different. Um, Gerald Keogh was a, an Irish volunteer and three other brothers joined the 1916 Rising. Um, one brother was uh, in, in the Stevens Green area 
And unfortunately, it seems that he was on a, on a, a mission uh, directly from Patrick Pierce to collect a group of volunteers that were in Kimmich Manor just outside Dublin. And he brought them back at midnight on Easter Monday. Uh, the contingent, which consisted of about 30 men, marched down uh, Grafton Street uh, just shortly after midnight and um, past Trinity College and on to the GPO. Now, Gerald was detained in, in Stevens Green and uh, he went uh, a little later. In fact, he went at dawn the next morning and at at that time, he was uh, gunned down by Anzac troops. These were the uh, Australian and New Zealand um, Army Corps who were on the roof of Trinity at the time. But interestingly, uh, he had another brother in England at, at this stage, and he was stage manager in the Royalty Theatre in London. And um, he had no uh, interest in politics at all. But uh, he realized that there was a lot of difficulty going on in the Abbey Theatre. And uh, because Gerald was killed and his the other brothers were on the run, um, he wanted to get back to Dublin to be close to his mother because obviously she was uh, grieving at this stage and she would have been on her own. Uh, so knowing that there was a difficulty in the Abbey, he got in touch with uh, W.B. Yeats and Lady Gregory. And they actually um, decided that uh, because the former director, Irving, was having a lot of problems with the with the company, uh, they let him go and uh, they actually uh, took on this Gerald's brother. He was J. Augustus Kyo. And he became manager of the Abbey uh, until the next year, uh, 2017, or uh, 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 1917. In 2017, we just celebrated his anniversary. But the interesting thing about his coming to the Abbey was that he was a, a, a fan of, of George, uh, George Bernard Shaw, and he actually increased George, George Bernard Shaw's uh, theatrical presence in Dublin um, uh, because he put on a, a number of his plays. But what was really interesting from the identity point of view is that the brothers and sisters that were belonged to my own, my own grandfather and the brothers and sisters of of uh, Gerald um, seem to radiate a, a kind of a spectrum of of political and non political thought that wasn't didn't seem to quite gel in with the Irish uh, the the Irish identity so to speak that the Irish state was lauding and um, celebrating. So it wasn't until a good friend of mine um, gave me a book uh, or, or, or actually uh, suggested that I would read the book um, Dublin by James Joyce. And he kept at me when I was talking about my family, he kept at me, read James Joyce, read James Joyce. So he said to me, read James Joyce, The Dead in Dubliners. And I did. And I was absolutely astounded, electrified by the experience. And I read the, the rest of uh, The Dead. But it, it showed to me that there was an identity. This family was part of an identity that wasn't recognized in Ireland. And uh, 
it then begged the question, well, why wasn't it? And it also begged the question, well, how much do we really know about our identity and how many identities they like uh, compose the whole island of Ireland? So this, you know, opened up an enormous and fascinating uh, series of routes into um, identity itself, you know. I was I was now getting to the core of well, what is the the, the subject? What do, what does identity actually mean? And remember on that, I, you know, that is the question. What does identity mean? Well, I can I can <laughs> I, I can give you another angle on, on this, another dimension. I mean, uh, because in my family there was a a niggling um, uh, thorn in the side, as it were. Now, my mother and father got on very well, but uh, my mother was what we might call a, a, a royalist. She would have been of Irish descent, all right, but of the old English um, uh, identity. And the old English were pre-Protestant um, invaders in Ireland. They would have included the Normans and many who came thereafter. Now, her outlook was very uh, West Britain, as we call it, or West, West British. And um, she would, uh, I remember when the, 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 the accession to the throne, when Queen Elizabeth became, became queen in England, um, she would get all the newspapers uh, on the um, coronation and listen to the, the radio. But, of course, when my father came home, um, they never discussed this. And this was kind of interesting to me because she was really in, enthralled by this. And um, if if ever any discussion on, on Irish identity came up, he'd just clear his throat and say nothing else. And it, was, it wasn't until afterwards that I, I realized how really big the divisions between their traditions were. And um, I was very interested in Irish Gaelic or national identity, and I, I found it a discomfort to sort of realise that, well, my my mother's outlook was sort of centred on London and Britain and the British Empire and whatever. And of course, my answer to this was, I just ditch it. I'll forget about it. I'll remove it. I'll put it to one side and concentrate on my Gaelic identity, which I did. But um, in the 70s, I, I had become a, a forester and I was still niggled by this, uh, I suppose, um, disquiet about exactly what identity was because I got further and further into my Gaelic identity, but it wasn't satisfying. I had to deal with this problem. And one of the things that um, sort of came to the fore as a forester I, I worked in Latin America. I, I lived in Central America, in, in El Salvador and Costa Rica. And I had a good friend, a good German friend, and we went on a, an expedition into uh, the forest of the Orinoco just to see the forests. But for me, it was something else. I wanted to, somehow I thought that the further, the, the closer you got to nature, the closer people got to the biological base from which they sprang, the easier it would be to uh, understand what identity is all about. 
Now, one of the things that on that expedition uh, to the Orinoco, we spent, um, oh, it must have been a, 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 enough time to journey for about 600 kilometers along the, the Amazon. And one of the things that I noticed was that any time that uh, mankind is involved with the forests, it does tend to destroy rather than uh, kind of live in in, a, in an equilibrium or harmony with with uh, with nature. And um, it was this realization that made me take the next step. I figured, well, you actually cannot. Uh, really deal with the subject identity if you leave out any aspect of it. And I, I then started uh, looking at my mother's side of the family and trying to get an understanding of really who they were and where was the conflict between my my parents' side. Now at that stage I had I had come back to Ireland and I began to uh, look at uh, genetic fingerprinting and got myself analysed and both my parents' side analysed the male DNA and the female DNA. But it struck me very forcibly that there was a tremendous mixing of DNA between my mother and father's side, irrespective of their politics, their outlooks, their tradition or whatever. And the question then became, well, what is the difference? What's the what was the big problem with the traditions? And to me, it was, I, I, I became very, I suppose I had a, 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 a eureka moment when I realized that the differences weren't so much between um, the, uh, the, 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 the politics as the traditions. In other words, the English had developed at a faster rate than the Irish. So the Irish uh, tribal system um, was, I suppose, in a period, a, a less advanced uh, stage than the, the, the English. But that was only a kind of a temporary uh, advantage because the English were closer to the... Um, I suppose the, the the source of techn technological developments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it struck me as I, I went further into this that there was no, almost no difference between the genetics of my mother and my father, and the answer had to be in technology and a kind of a developmental phase, if you like. And then I realised, well, developmental phases are only phases, and the Irish side can, if it has the uh, opening to to new technology, can become as developed or more developed than, than the English or vice versa. So we really are looking at uh, phases in identity rather than um, a, a kind of, oh, yeah, well, there is this group or there is this race or there is this ethnicity or whatever that's superior or inferior. That is absolutely not true. And we all trace our genetic um, path right back to uh, a sort of, a, I suppose, a, a, what I would call an ancestral singularity in Africa. And the differences that are, are between us are really based on 
kind of environment and history and whatever uh, through time. So in, in a way, Raymond, what I'm hearing, and, and it is the question, is nature versus nurture. And, you know, the big question when two people meet, particularly two Irish people meet, is where are you from? Yeah. Now, um, and that colours the whole conversation that ensues afterwards. Um, in my own case, for example, my father... Uh, worked in the Bank of Ireland and was transferred. So if someone asked me where I'm from, I say I'm from County Galway, but that happens to be where he was stationed when I was born. And we left there when I was 10. And, you know, my father was from Belfast, my mother was from the south of Ireland. So um, what I'm trying to wrestle with always is that uh, what differentiates the identity and based on what you were just saying, like if you look at the Irish um, heritage, the Irish people, we go back to pre-Christian times where there is um, Newgrange, North Doth, um, and the Cage of Fields. Where and how do you draw a line to say identity starts at a certain point, or identity is something that is uh, in the subconscious as distinct from an external. Yes, yeah. Well, one of the things I did just before uh, the 1916 uh, commemoration was to look at the, um, you know, what, what, what did Irish people or what do Irish people uh, feel that makes them distinct? And an interesting one, um, an interesting article was um, appeared in, in the Irish Examiner and it provided a cross-section of views from a, a selection of Irish people. And, well, acknowledging some limitations like having uh, continued poverty, some homelessness, some marginalised groups in the country. To be Irish, they felt, was, it, it kind of generates a, a pride, pleasant memories, uh, good feelings, great conversations. And they feel that uh, the, the Irish have a kind of a superior sense of humour don't take anything too seriously, are skillful in the use of everyday words. We can speak on any topic or welcoming like no one else. We we are known for fairness and kind of acceptance of differences. Um, we're great with disabled people. We're open to what's going on all around the, the globe. We're the best sports supporters. We're well regarded and appreciated all over the world. We have a rich history, promote peace and build bridges. All in all, we're a, a sound bunch. Now, um, I've travelled a lot. I've worked overseas quite for quite a number of years. And I got to know a lot of uh, different cultures. In fact, I married into the Salvadorian culture. And what struck me about all of this was that I don't know any nation on earth that if you cornered them and asked them about their identity wouldn't come with a, a list of platitudes like that that are feeling well you know we're pretty good we're actually we're not we're we're we're, we're better than pretty good we're, we're we're actually even better than most and it was at that point again that i kept pushing back the the kind of the boundaries and the one that i hit was again and again was the the issue that the humanities, uh, the, the kind of, the, 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 I was passing in through the philosophical border, if you like, and asking then, well, what is the essence of identity? 
And the problem that the humanities have with all of this is what's called the what's what's illustrated in the ship of Theseus. And that is it's a very kind of simple concept, if you like. Um the 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 the, the ship of Theseus when it was launched it's a wooden boat and it's got all its planks and whatever in place. Now, if you come along a couple of years later and uh, a board needs replacing and you, you do that and uh, nails need replacing, etc. And eventually, after a hundred years, there's not a board or a nail the same as, uh, the, the, as when it started out. Is it the same ship? Now, there's a there's an analogy or there's a there's a parallel with them. Um, our human bodies, in that our chemicals are changing continually. So are we the same person as we move through time? And this has been a dilemma since the uh, the ancient Greeks, and we haven't actually been able to um, to answer it. But recently, I mean, it's you talk about, I suppose, the year 2003, when the human genome was fully um, uh, explored, that we now realize that everybody, each individual in the world, each human being has a, a particular sequence, a DNA sequence that is unlike any others. Even identical twins are uh, don't have identical I- identities in that respect, if you like. So I... Uh, the DNA sequences actually conform to an, an identity definition, which would be identity if it's the sameness of the individual at all times and under all, all circumstances. So that really is was to me an absolute revelation. We are unique. Each individual is unique and each individual carries his or her identity in their DNA. That's the physical side of things. The soul is another thing, not a theologian. But um, that certainly is a point that we can stand firmly on. And this kind of thing brings up the, uh, the, the, the talk about this nebulous identity or the problems that we have with identity linked to anxieties, etc. I know many people that are anxious let's say they lose their job now losing your job can be a it's a frightful thing to happen um but if one thinks that you lose your job and that was my identity that was everything i was that's a double tragedy the good news is we 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 never lose our identity our identity is built into our genes it's there and it always will be there now when you come to that particular view of identity the world changes substantially because the consequences of uh, the knowledge that identity is within each individual um, ensures that there is no real, uh, no such thing as divisions in in humanity in the sense that um, I've got my identity. I don't need somebody else to compare myself with neither does anyone else need me to, to to for them to compare themselves with me and that gives that gives a, a tremendous um uh i think feeling of security on, on, on one level i would say yes but on the other level then the question of an identity 
that is definable by national uh, nationhood or that is defined by um, belonging to a particular culture uh, must surely be questionable because if identity is uh, something that is individual and is very personal to me that makes an awful lot of sense and as I say I can attach uh, various uh, historical recollections onto the skeleton of my being that would help say to me that this defines who I am but in the bigger question then as somebody as an uh, an immigrant as an immigrant here in Canada uh, what differentiates me from anybody else other than the sum total of the experiences that I had uh, when I was growing up uh, how I was nurtured in many ways within the societies that I lived uh, that subsequently coloured my perspectives um, and does that not identify me as distinct of saying well because I'm Irish I have a particular uh, identity I may have DNA that connects me to forefathers that may or may not originate in Ireland back at the time of the Republic um, but I, I, is it that more nurtured than nature yeah, well, that's uh, and that's the other side of the of the, the 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 picture, if you like, because what I've been discussing there is personal identity, and your question then uh, is the next stage. Well, what about um, identity of the group? And uh, I, I pursued this also, and looking at the the kind of uh, what I called the ancestral singularity. In other words, that we all arose from uh, a, a small group of, of individuals in Africa, perhaps 200,000 years ago. And uh, we spread out from Africa to uh, various continents and we developed different languages and uh, we had different experiences. Obviously, those who traveled furthest from the north um, began to lose uh, skin pigmentation or at least change skin pigmentation, etc., etc., etc. All in all, there was a, a, a all of the identifiable differences that we find in the human race uh, started becoming uh, evident as as mankind moved moved across the globe. But um, if we apply the the technical term uh, to identity, in other words, the sameness of the uh, group at all times and under all circumstances. Um, what becomes very apparent is that it is only at the species level that we actually have uh, a, a, a sameness. In other words, uh, human reproduction is the basis of the sameness within the human family and nothing else. Um, in other words, the cultures that we try to use are the uh, definitions of race or ethnicity or whatever that we try to use to comfort ourselves that we are part of a group or we belong to this group or that or whatever, really um, break down in the sense of identity, in, the, in that kind of technical underlying definition of sameness at all times and in all places and a good example is um, 
if uh, uh, you look at, and I had looked at some of the tribal situations in Africa, um, the Luo and the um, other, let's say, the forest, the Luo are based on the kind of Maasai um, uh, pastoral people, and then you have the Kikuyu, the forestry, the forest area people, and. Uh, anthropologists often thought that there was a, a, a total distinction between those two groups but as one looked at the kind of interface between them it was found that it was possible for one uh, set of Kikuyu to become Maasai and vice versa and this is true of all uh, cultures worldwide now does that sort of flatten our the experience you're talking about? Does that flatten that into a kind of an amorphous um, human uh, identity that really you can't go, it, it, that is not really very interesting? No, it doesn't. What it does, however, is it recognizes that the cultures that developed as humankind spread out from that ancestral singularity 200,000 years ago and develop differences and different languages and experiences and whatever. Um, those differences were really uh, differences created through the human brain. The brain was reacting to nature as mankind encountered different uh, situations. So the cultures that were developed were really part of the one human culture that started out all those years ago. In other words, we have one human culture, but we have many cultural appendices. Now that comes that comes back to uh, where I would be extremely interested in my father's people. I have looked at this the Gaelic um, the Gaelic history of you know where my where my my family came from, and it is tremendously interesting. Now the fact that I uh, believe that there is one human culture and there's the Gaelic uh, I, the, the Gaelic group if you like um, uh, has been formed in Ireland and to which I belong um, is a identity small if you like but uh, I can take some of the um, I can link into, understand that I belong and have been influenced by all of the factors that, that have developed from that um, Gaelic group. So it doesn't mean anything to realize that uh, we are part of the one human family, but our divisions, our belonging, our whatever that we identify ourselves with is not identity but uh, it is an understanding of the global kind of um, uh, makeup that, 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 that actually we are part of. I don't but know if that I, answers the question. But in effect, in effect, Raymond, is that not tribalism? Is it tribalism? Yeah, in, in effect, is it not a form of tribalism? In other words, we um, develop as a part of a group and that group has its own identity because it has uh, a common uh, 
environment. It has uh, it develops a set of set of rules, a set of practices, um, and that as that development happens, uh, it for uh, the structure associated with it is that in a way uh, that of a tribe or that of a nation or that of a culture, that of a people. Um, so I, I, it comes back to and the struggle I have in in looking at the Irish identity. Uh, to me, the Irish identity is as varied and uh, and nearly as individualistic as um, any other identity. Now, I, going back to what you were saying earlier on, uh, where the list of motherhood statements, and there were lovely motherhood statements, uh, that, you know, were kind and were tolerant and all the rest of it, and yet we look at our history and we're far from it. And, um, uh, you know, we have... Uh, done A, B, C and D and that defines us but so has everybody else uh, so uh, I look at a situation here and you would have seen it in your travels that uh, the Irish for one reason or another travelled uh, and we can go back to the 15-1600s where commerce caused them to travel to the Grand Banks where they fished and as a result of fishing uh, settled in Newfoundland and there's a very strong cultural identity which uh, the people of Newfoundland would say is akin to Wexford and Waterford, even to the point where the accent uh, would somewhat be similar. And attitudes have uh, grown and developed as a result. And then you come to the time subsequent to that, the wild geese. And again, looking at the Canadian situation, you had the intelligentsia uh, fleeing Ireland, and some of them came to Canada and integrated in and were involved in the uh, news media, the printing press, the newspapers. And then in the 1840s, 1850s, you had the famine and another wave of what would be Irish arrived in Canada. Uh, and likewise in the 1950s, 70s, 80s, 2000s. And I would have to say that the identity that each of these groups would have or individuals within these groups would be totally different from each other. Well, um, I, I, I think, again, it's the um, I, I suppose it goes back to uh, the definition of identity and um, the, the humanities, unfortunately, are saying that, well, we all know what identity is, but we can't define it. Um, I think DNA has allowed us to define it and uh, it then has repercussions. In other words, that if we do define identity as, as an essence, as the sameness of the individual or the group at all times and on, under all circumstances, then we have uh, <coughs> that um, dual identity, the personal identity, which, as I say, is our, our, our DNA sequences and the human identity, which is the, uh, the, the basic human family, the fact that we can reproduce as a species, the, the, the species um, definition uh, is our communal identity definition. But that then means that all of the things you're talking about uh, are like, as you say, maybe tribalism, maybe uh, blobs of cultures that develop and um, they have their own history for a time and then they dissolve. For example, if we look back far enough into Irish, uh, uh, into DNA history in Ireland, uh, 
you'll find that the First Nation people um, came ab- came about, I suppose, um, 9,000 years ago or thereabouts. But subsequently, uh, we were told that um, several invasions may have taken place. That was the, the, the historian's view that uh, Irish identity was was um, changed because there was one wave after another of uh, in, invasions like the Celts and, the, as you say, the Fairbugs before that and whatever. But what is now apparent uh, through DNA um, analysis is that uh, some of the the invasions, so to speak, were partly made of transfer of information or knowledge with uh, little uh, influence on a DNA, um, if, if you like, on, on the numbers of people. Others were quite extraordinary, and that is the Bronze Age people who came in to Ireland were mostly men who came into the population and took over the former male DNA. In other words, the men uh, were thrown out or um, were certainly dominated by these new guys who had uh, developed um, new technology like uh, bronze and eventually iron, etc. So that the the Irish identity, as you would you would uh, see it, would have been um, uh, a mix of uh, various groups that would be coming into Ireland. But then when we sort of look back from, uh, I, I suppose, an Irish history, we're looking back on Irish history, and we talk about the Gaelic Irish, as if it was one group and as if it was fixed in time. It wasn't. It was very much more complicated than that. And the way I look, like to look at, at development of Irishness or Irish groups as they're going across the world and changing, etc., etc., they're bringing stuff from the past, but they're also changing as they go forward. And in my own case, when I married into uh, Salvadorian culture, I was I, I had to develop a family that was neither Irish nor Salvadorian, but something in between. And there I see the in my children the offspring, the mix that that is occurring, and they become quite different from maybe what we see as the traditions and belongings and whatever of the of the past. Yet I would say, oh yes, but they can, they have, they they have access to all of the Irish roots that they had before and the Salvadorian ones at the same time. So it becomes a changing situation. And I think that's the, that's the important thing about, uh, what we, what we normally call identity. It changes, but real identity by definition doesn't. And to that extent, like, again, as I said, the first thing that tends to happen when two Irish bump into each other, it doesn't matter in what part of the world, uh, you know, where you're from. And there is something that is innate, and it's like, I suppose, with the eels heading for the Saragossa Sea, or it's the salmon heading back to the particular river where they're spawned. In those particular cases, you can say, well, yeah, that's very definable. But in the case of identity, uh, it's that is it not to some degree that sense of belonging um, that 
we all as individuals then need so that it's our Saragossa Sea. But is that not something that is changes with time? So my Saragossa Sea happens to be Galway, whereas in the case of my father was Belfast. In the case of my mother, it was Kerry. Um, so the Saragossa Sea is very much based on where we happen to be spawned. Exactly. And, and uh, I, I'm not um, taking away all of those those um, those kind of feelings of belonging or our history or the fact that uh, you meet somebody from Ireland and you don't have to explain where you're from. It's immediately you, you, you gel in there and your your conversation is uh, you, you, in fact, if you're in a, in a different culture, you could probably find very common ground in the way that person and yourself takes this new culture. You know, all of those things are are part of kind of familiarity, belonging, um, whatever, but it's not identity in the sense uh, where identity has a definition. Now, the problem that has has given rise to the difficulties with identity, so to speak, is that we couldn't define identity before. And what I'm saying is new is that we actually can define identity. And when we do that, we have to put all of these things like familiarity, belonging, etc., into a different class of identity, so to speak. But it's not identity. It's not identity because uh, identity doesn't change. These things can and do change. Okay, so then where do you see your research going from here? Where do you see the next steps from here? Well, to me, I'm extremely interested in this whole business about uh, what's happening in, in the West. And there is a lot of, of uh, confrontation between, let's say you look at, at, the, at the United States at the moment, the um, uh, identity politics that is really ripping the, the, the country apart. And there's uh, so many discussions on racism, um, ethnicities, etc., etc. And when one sort of looks at, looks at this, and I, I think if people could understand that really the barriers that we're putting up against each other really don't exist, if one can understand one's true identity by definition, the differences between ourselves are much less. And if, if we could uh, realize that, I think we could uh, move far faster uh, into uh, the world that is changing from a po point of view of technology, etc. We're undergoing a, an enormous amount of, of change. And I think we need to, to have uh, something that is really robust enough to help us to understand what, what, uh, what these changes are and to be able to take them as well. So to that extent... Um, if somebody were to try to in some way quantify or I want to define themselves how would you suggest that they go about it? Well I, I would suggest that um, I, I suppose if you can follow somebody who's done this before that is probably the, the best way to do it and 
uh, I suppose I'm I'm advertising here, but I I wrote the book Shelter and Shadows in order to uh, provide the journey I uh, I made into this whole area, and it was a journey that started, as I say, with um, in my grandfather's house, and then it extended to exploring the family. You know what, 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 who were we as a family, and then it went on to look at the history of that family, and then look at the uh, the divisions and problems that I faced because of the different traditions of my mother as against my father. And then once the possibility of looking at genetics came into onto the uh, became available, uh, that opened a, a, a huge door into um, you know really defining well what's at base here? What what what, what do we mean by differences in 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 uh, between ourselves and, and and what is the nature of as you say belonging? Um, familiarity, etc., 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 and I think that's probably the best way. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy undertaking, and it needs a lot of thinking, etc., etc. But finally, I do think that the the clarity of identity using a definition that I have given, um, the, in other words, the sameness of the the person or the group at all times. I think that is the one area. If one could reach that. Clarity would be um, diffused through all of these difficulties that we're facing. Well, Raymond, we're going to wrap up here. And before we wrap up, I want you to give your coordinates. If anybody wants to find out more, the website, the Facebook page, Twitter feed, all that kind of good stuff where they can follow up with you. Yes, well, um, as you mentioned, the, um, the website is Our Own Identity. And it is http forward slash forward slash our own identity dot com all one word. And you're out there on Twitter. The uh, Twitter is uh, it's also our, um, our own identity. Just let me get this. I think yeah. We're called it's at our own identities. Identities. Our own identities. Indeed. And um, again, if uh, somebody can uh, read on the website, follow you on Twitter, um, and uh, uh, I'm sure they can do as I did, send a message through Twitter if you want to get in touch or we somewhere connect. And uh, Absolutely. Um, try to answer what is a fascinating question. Um, Raymond, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's been fascinating. Um, See, I'm in the process. My DNA has gone off to be analysed at the moment, and I'm curious what will come back. And uh, I think we all have, uh, we all wonder where our Saragossa Sea is and what makes us who we are, all those kind of things. And there's no one answer. Also, thank you very much for having me, and I'm I'm delighted uh, uh, to have had this interview. Thank you indeed.